Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome and welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. And if you've been listening all along for the past four years, by the way, yesterday was our fourth anniversary on the Business Channel on World Talk Radio. We're very excited about that. If you listen to my openings carefully, the number of welcomes I say in my opening indicate how many panelists we have. So welcome and welcome. There's your clue today. Let's talk about the buzz today. The buzz is behind the hype. Social selling. Come on, that's the name of our series. You've heard about it. You probably want to know a lot more. It is being hyped as the magic bullet for all kinds of companies to engage authentically, that's such a key word, versus, you know, the old school hard sell methods, email, direct phone calls, coffee dates, well, there's nothing wrong with those. But with future and current customers on the booming social media platform landscape, they're eager to speak to you in an authentic, real way, conversationally, on social media. But there's a reality check behind all of this hype. Social selling can be a minefield. That means, oops, boom, if your sales reps lack the right training, they lack the right skills, they lack the right tools, or maybe even more importantly, if your organization doesn't have a solid social strategy to support them and nurture their success. I know what an old-fashioned word, nurture, but you got to be there for them. So it's time to replace the hype with straight talk and examples of real-life social selling heroes and zeros. Yes, I borrowed heroes and zeros from Lori Grenier of Shark Tank. I think it's a great phrase. So we're going to give you that straight talk today and we're going to give you some real examples. So listen up. If you're thinking about dreaming about social selling, if you've tried it, it's not going quite so well. If you're trying it and it's going okay, but you're not seeing amazing results, you really want to listen up. I have two experts. They're in the trenches, the real world, the real deal, and we're going to help you figure it out. So are you ready? My first expert is Bryn Tillman. If you want to look her up, her name is spelled B-R-Y-N-N-E, beautiful first name, Tillman, T-I-L-L-M-A-N, and she's the CEO of Social Sales Link. You can look that up. And Bryn has sent me a very interesting quote from Will Rogers, who was recently quoted on several of our shows. The quote, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Bryn Tillman, welcome. How are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me here. This is so exciting. Well, we are excited, and you are out there. You are a social sales link. You know what you're talking about. But first up, Bryn, tell me about this quote from Will Rogers. Fascinating. It's so true in every aspect of life. You may be in the right direction, but damn it, just don't sit there and do nothing. So how does this apply to social selling, Bryn? So, uh, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the companies that I I speak with will say, you know what, we're doing okay. We're getting through this economy. We're doing, you know, it's, we're moving slowly or maybe we're even stagnant, but we're in the, you know, we're, we're okay. And the bottom line with social selling is, you know, you've got to keep moving. And in all of sales, you've got to keep moving. And now with all the technology, you've got to keep up with it. 
Because if you continue to do what you're doing, even if it's okay, it's going mm-hmm. to start to kind of fall apart over the years. And, and as your competitors start to engage prospects in other ways, you'll really start to fall behind. You can't just stay stagnant for very long. Interesting. What do you think Will Rogers would say? By the way, he passed away in 1935. That is 80 years ago by my calculations. What would he say about having his quote, and he has many very memorable quotes, as we know, Bryn. What would he say about his quote being used on a show about social selling on an Internet radio station? What do you think would go through his head? Well, I think he'd be slightly confused. However, it's so. <laughs> I think sometimes it's fun to find some of those quotes that are timeless. So what worked then works now, just in a little bit of a different environment. I love it. And that goes to my favorite quote in French, Bryn. I don't know if you speak French, but plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. Think about it. Thank you, Bryn. Pleasure to meet you. Looking forward to a lot of great contributions from you. And joining me today as well on our panel is Phil Lurie, no stranger to our topic, social selling. He is a senior director of global customer operations, tools, and technology. Boy, you got it all covered there for SAP. And here is a Lurieism. That means it's a it's a quote from the one and only, and he is the one and only Phil Lurie. Here we go. Join the revolution. Social selling, along with mobile enablement, is changing the face of 21st century commerce. That's a mouthful. Phil Lurie, welcome back. How are you today? I'm great, and also thank you for having me again. I must have done okay the last time. (laughs) (laughs) And the the time before that. You're on a roll. Talk to me, Phil. This is a Lurieism. I'm not used to getting original quotes from you, but I love this one. So revolution, evolution, uh, how did you pick that word? Talk to me. I think those are powerful words, uh, and I think they reflect accurately what we're trying to convey here. And Bryn's uh, exactly on the point that uh, you've got to keep moving, and uh, things are changing so rapidly. My point here, though, is that it's not an evolution, unfortunately. Uh, like a lot of changes uh, take mm-hmm. years and years to, to, uh, to develop and, and to really have impact, here we've got almost a revolution. Things are changing very, very rapidly. And that's not so much due to the technology, but it's certainly enhanced by the technology. And these two technical changes, both uh, mobile mobility and mobile products and tools, which really have become ubiquitous in the last four or five years even, mm-hmm. uh, are really changing the way people do things, how we, how we buy, how we analyze products. And... Uh, the social selling is the new way to reach people, whereas uh, a telephone now is more than just a telephone. It's a computer in your hand. It's uh, also the same that people are not wanting to get spam phone calls, and uh, our typical methods of selling have to change to keep the customers happy and to get customers. Very interesting, Phil. Uh, is the cold call dead. This comes up very often on these types of shows. Is cold calling dead? Is it in the realm of please, for God's sake, don't just pick up the phone and call me. I will not listen. I will hate you forever. I will not follow you. I will disconnect from you on LinkedIn and Facebook. You are spamming me. Is is the is it dead? Is it dying? Just to qu- and I'm going to ask Bryn the same question. Cold calling in the realm and the world, the era of social selling. What do you think, Phil? My opinion, and shared by many, I think, is that it's poison actually harmful. It, it hurts your reputation. Uh, cold calling does not really work. 
uh, email and, and other, uh, you know, softer approaches to reaching people still aren't as painful, but people are really getting annoyed by the 10, you know, robocalls that they get per day to sell them something that they haven't the slightest interest in. Wow. Can I quote you on Twitter? I'm saying cold calling is poison for your company's reputation, and I'm, I'm tagging it with you. Is that Go okay? <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Bryn Tillman, you have to weigh in on this one. This is uh, heavy-duty stuff. What do you agree or disagree with Phil? Well, I 100% agree with Phil, and I never really thought of it as poison or a detriment. I just thought of it as a waste of time, but I think he's on to something. So, you know, at typically now, you know, you'll have people that will argue cold calling still works. If you make a 1,000 calls and you connect with two people, they're like, yeah, that worked. But it's a complete waste of time and energy. When you're social selling, you're building relationships online. And, you know, there is some cold calling inside of social relationships. For example, if I find someone on Twitter that I want to engage, I'll mention them or I'll follow them or I'll retweet them. And that initially is cold, right? But it's done on their terms. I'm doing Mm -hmm. it uh, based on, um, you know, their social platform. If they're interested, they'll retweet back. Then I'll ask to connect on LinkedIn, and then I'll ask for a phone call. And, you know, they get to see your profile. They get to learn the things that you're, you're sharing, the things that you're publishing. And you start to understand each other a little more. And when you do ask for the phone call, if you've already provided some insights and some value, you're much more likely to get it. So the goal for me is still the phone call, but it's making sure that we start the relationship on their terms and that when we ask for the phone call, we've earned the right to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's really permission. It's all by permission. Opt-in, if you will. Is that on the right track, Bryn? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the you know the goal for a salesperson, unless you're selling a dollar ninety nine widget, is still to have that <laughs> phone call. But you want to make sure that every one of those phone calls are expected and scheduled. Um, I use tools like um, Calendly, where it it syncs to my calendar, so I can send people a link, and if they're interested, they can schedule fifteen minutes with me. And and now it's you know their choice. And mm-hmm. we may have a lot less dials, but every dial or most every dial is getting picked up and by someone who's expecting the call and already knows what you do because mm-hmm. they've looked at your social profile. Uh, Brenna, I let me I just slightly disagree with you. I, I agree with you 99.9% of, the, of this. The only thing that we, we disagree on is I wouldn't call, call what you're doing cold calling. Cold calling is just someone that I haven't the slightest idea who they are, and they're trying to call me or email me. But if they know who you are by reputation, or if you've listened to oh, what sure. they've said and you respond, I think those are warm. They're, you know, and there are different degrees of temperature here, but uh, I think we're in absolute violent agreement on, on the other points. But I, I, <laughs> I, I may have going- misspoke. The very first contact is called. The tweet, the follow, the connect on LinkedIn. And so I think the cold call has turned to the cold connect, and then you warm it up before you get the phone call. So I may have misspoke if I, I said that wrong, but I agree with you, Phil. It's definitely the point is that we're warming this up and that it's a great call instead of a hang-up call. Perfect. Phil, sure. you good with that? Good. By the way, yeah, our no, topic that's, that's in what case I was you... Is, uh, just, uh, I think, you know, uh, what, what we're professing to people and trying to get them to do is, mm-hmm. is to do exactly as Brandon is talking about, warm up. You know, bring it up, you know, uh, gradually. But listening to them first, 
prevents it from ever being a cold call. If you respond to someone else's that's tweet, right. that's, that's warm. And uh, that's the preferred way. Oh. I mean, LinkedIn or other tools that, that we use as well. If you listen first, you know, we have two ears and one mouth, right? <laughs> the old expression on that one. Right. That's right. And, and, and I if think you listen the, the... and then you respond correctly, then you're going to have a, that's a warm connection. And that's what we're encouraging to do. That's the whole, that's the secret formula to make it work. Excellent. Excellent. As well as the words trust and the words conversation and the word relationship and getting to know someone. I like the warm versus the cold. A lot of good stuff already. By the way, our, to our listeners, if you haven't guessed yet, well, this is Social Selling with Game Changers Radio. You know that. But uh, I'm calling all of these episodes for this new series, Social Selling 101, because we're starting at the ground floor and building up your knowledge base. Today's episode technically is called What Makes or Breaks a Social Seller, but I'm going to insert another word in there with the poetic license and a shout out to our series sponsor at SAP, Kirsten Boyleau, who I think is traveling today, and a shout out to Ekua Odoi at E-K-U-A-O-D-O-I, who is tweeting along with me at hashtag SAP Radio. I'm going to insert a word, and let's see if Bryn and Phil agree. What makes or breaks a great or a successful social seller? Can we all live with that insertion of the adjective, Bryn, Phil? Yeah. What makes or breaks a successful social selling campaign or activity is that you have a process around it, in my opinion. Just Mm -hmm. like anything else, if you wing it every day and you're not tracking or measuring your success um, and you kind of get lost in the black hole of social, it can be a lot of wasted time. But if you have a great process and you understand the strategy and you even have some templates written to make, although you should customize most of them, but to get Mm -hmm. you started when you're messaging certain um, people when they connect with you on LinkedIn, when they follow you on Twitter, so that, you know, you start to engage, um, you'll have a lot that will make it. Breaking it is basically just kind of going out there and, as I said, winging it every day. Mm-hmm. And that also goes to my opening point, and we'll get into this later in the show when we officially start the roundtable segment in a few minutes, of your company, your organization should have a social strategy to nurture and support the success, and that means giving your people the training, the skills, and the tools, and having some policies around that. We'll get into that later, but you know what, Bryn Tillman, it's time for us to find out just a little bit more about you. You're the CEO of Social Sales Link. You can tell me in two sentences what you do, but I'm more interested in what are you drinking today? What's in your cup? Because Social Selling with Game Changers is part of our flagship series, coffee break with game changers so Bryn tell me a little bit about your company and what is your favorite drink or what are you drinking right this very second so thank you um my Mm -hmm. what we do is we help sales teams transform the way they grow their business by leveraging LinkedIn and social selling so that that's that's it if you want to grow your business we can help you get there I am drinking 100% C2O coconut water (laughs) I'm a little addicted right now (laughs) And I'm trying to get off of caffeine, but it seems to give me a little kick in the morning. So that's what I'm drinking. Now I have a question. Do you like your coconut water room temperature or cold? You know, that is such a great question because most of the time I'm drinking at room temperature because I have it sitting in my office. But um, if I go for a long walk or I play tennis, I want it freezing cold. (laughs) 
Aha. And you know, uh, that has become the basis for a lot of green smoothie recipes is coconut water. Were you aware of that? A handful of greens and cucumbers and celery and pineapple and blueberries and coconut water. Have you ever made one of those, Bryn? So I've attempted to make some, but um, Naked Juice's uh, green machine is much easier. <laughs> and, um, so I tend to just kind of go to Whole Foods and pick that up versus uh, making my own. I've attempted, I've attempted, I even paid like $500 for a Vitamix. I'm not really yes. good at that. Oh, interesting. And I usually include that in my list of what's your, how do you make your favorite drink. Interestingly enough, uh, Walbams, which is part of the A&P grocery chain that has gone bankrupt and is now selling off or closing all of their stores here in, in the Northeast, Walbams carries, um, I don't know whether it's a house brand, it's called Living Better. And it's coconut water. It's a tall kind of a wax, like a, a milk container, very tall and thin. And by the time they take off this standard discount, Bryn, it comes to about a buck fifty for this tall can of it as opposed to the other bigger known brands that are three or four times the price. So I have a friend who loves coconut water. I never go to Walbams without picking up one or two of those containers on the fear that when they close the store in November, I might not be able to find the brand. I think we're going to get a case. Does that sound, should I send you some, Bryn? Oh, thanks. I'm a little addicted to my C2O, but I'll check out my local Walbaum. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, By the way, it's a produce item. It's in the fruit and vegetable department. It's not on the shelf with the other brands that begin with Z and other letters of the alphabet, just so you know. Phil Lurie, we are not ignoring you, my friend, at all. What are you drinking right now, Phil, or what are you thinking about drinking after the show? doesn't have to be something healthy, just we want to know about you. Ah. Well, I, actually, it is healthy. I'm, I'm, I, I had my coffee earlier. Uh, we're a later show than we usually do, and um, I'm drinking ice water, but the container is more interesting, and I noticed it. I'm, I'm one of my favorite mugs, and it's, uh, it's about uh, 30, no, 25 years old, and it comes from a company which is no longer in existence called Overlord. And what Overlord did, and this is a great reminder, and it's actually quite relevant uh, to, this com- to this conversation, Overlord was involved in measuring system performance. And they had mm. tools for helping you see how well you're using your computers, the CPUs, the memory, and things like that. And that was their service. And it, it sort of reminds me, uh, and it actually com- relates back to what one of the things that uh, Bryn mentioned a little while ago, is um, in anything that you're trying to do, when you're trying to make changes in an organization like we are with social selling, it's really important to measure, to see how you're doing, to mm-hmm. gauge whether or not you should change your strategy. And Overlord was trying to do that a long time ago with their products, we've got to do the same thing today. So um, mm. I'm really interested. It's, it's interesting that what goes around comes around. You know, the, the old There's methods that, still work. That's right. That's right. Back to the plus I change, plus LMM shows. What, what everything changes, it comes back again, basically. The more things change, the more they stay the same. I lost a beat there. Thank you very much, Phil and Bryn. Good panel, good conversation to our listeners. I hope you're taking notes or you can all get the recording eventually. It'll be podcast as we're speaking live now, available in a couple of hours at our homepage on the business channel on voiceamerica.com, a.k.a. World Talk Radio. You can download this segment and take a listen, but a lot of good tips and techniques you're getting from Bryn. 
Bryn Tillman and Phil Lurie on what makes or breaks a successful social seller and a successful social selling campaign. No tongue twister there. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, thrilled to be here. We are live. It's Tuesday, October 6, 2015. If you're keeping count, and I'm just drinking, as Phil knows, all they let me have, Bryn, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. You have to figure that one out for yourself. Cool, clear water in a very pretty cup, and today I have a hot pink straw for cold water. There you go, and that's it. So we're going to take a quick break and let Bryn and Phil refresh themselves. When we come back, we're going to launch in earnest into our roundtable talking about Social Selling 101. You want to be a great social seller. You want your company to have a good strategy and a policy, but where do you start? How do you make it happen? Listen up. We've got a lot more great advice for you. And a shout-out again to Kirsten Boyleau, and good luck on your lecture, your speech, your keynote at LinkedIn this Thursday. We're so excited for you, Kirsten. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams and building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Social Selling with Game Changers. Here we are, back on Social Selling, as the man said. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here today holding court with Bryn Tillman at Social Sales Link and Phil Lurie at SAP. Our topic in our series that I dub Social Selling 101 is what makes or breaks a great social seller. Bryn Tillman has agreed to open the roundtable with me, and I'm just going to read a little bit from her notes, and then we're going to dive in. Bryn says there are four components or factors to social selling in its definition. Number one, I'll just rattle these off, and then she'll explain. Listening is the foundation of all social selling. Very important. Listen up. Listening is the foundation. Number two, next step is educate with insights. Bryn will explain. Number three, prospect through leveraging your clients and networking partners for warm introductions. We already talked about cold versus warm. We haven't talked about hot yet. And number four, taking it offline. So Bryn Tillman, why don't you start at the beginning? Let's start with listening is the foundation of all social selling. Go ahead, Bryn. 
Excellent. Thanks. And Phil kind of talked about this earlier, so um, maybe reiterating a little bit, but at the end of or the beginning of all of this, we really need to understand what our prospects, what our audience cares about. If we start kind of spewing the stuff that we want to talk about and we want to share and we want to tell them, we're probably going to alienate the people that we're trying to engage. So it's really important to, to take the time to look at what they're sharing, look at what they're posting, look at what's happening in their industry, what's happening inside of their company, what are the, what's the content that they're, they're tweeting out or they're liking and sharing, and really understand what matters to them. So before we can do anything else, getting a real clear picture of the content that will engage our targeted audience is absolutely vital, and that really, truly is listening. Phil, you want to comment on that before we move to the next one? Love to hear your thoughts again. Um, once again, we're, we're in very strong agreement. Uh, our process uh, is, uh, involves really social advocacy tools and social listening tools, and we work using different things to try to uh, find out what people are saying. I mean, I, I, I so strongly agree. That the analogy I love is uh, if you're walking into a cocktail party, uh, you're not going to just start shouting right away uh, what your opinions are. You're going to listen to what the context of the conversation is about and then try to gently introduce yourself into that conversation. That's the polite way to do it. Same thing works in social selling. Thank I love you. That. I have a I, I do, too, except if you walk in with a drink already in your hand, that might change the dynamic, but that's another show. Question for both of you. I'm looking at a quote here from Coca Sexton, who is the senior social marketing manager at LinkedIn, and I'm, I'm assuming it's a she. I'm just going to say she. It's a he. Uh, it's a he. Thank you very much. Coca Sexton is a he. I appreciate that. Here's the quote. Social selling is the process of using your professional brand to fill your pipeline with the right people, insights, and relationships. Now, let's so let's just stop our, our four feature, four factors of social selling to find Bryn and Phil. And I want to know how important is it to fill it with the right people rather than just any people. So how much work do you have to do? How much do you have to know up front in terms of inserting yourself, as Phil said, into the right conversations to get to the people you want in your pipeline? Bryn, what's the tip for that? Uh, so I love that. And I also want to say Coca, who is one of my favorite people and really the mm. leader of the social selling movement, wrote the forward to my book, so which is LinkedIn Social Selling for Business Development. So I love that uh, you shared one of his quotes. That makes me so happy. I'm, hey, small world. It was beshert that I should bring that up. I just Googled social selling, and it came up, and I'm thrilled. So go ahead. Go ahead, Bryn. So, so um, oh, my gosh, and I got distracted at the question. Um, how, remind the right. <laughs> how do you find the right pe- How much work do you have right to do people. pre-work yeah. to find the right people? So, I, so there's a couple of ways. One is you need to certainly build out a client persona. Um, and I know that might be... Um, overstated over the last few years. But um, there are two types of client personas. You can build it out to age and occupation and all those things, but you can also build out a client persona based on LinkedIn filters, which is typically what we do with our clients. So first we identify who are our favorite clients or who are the clients we want more of. And then we identify how they've identified themselves and throughout their LinkedIn profile and in, in the, you know, how they filled out 
certain things like industry, uh, maybe identifying how long they've worked somewhere, or maybe that they came from a certain type of company, if that's who we're looking for. Title um, is a big one, and even level. So if you're a VP or a director. So certainly you want to identify not just your decision maker, but all the influencers that you're going to be coming in contact with. When it, uh, you know, They're all your audience, even if it's the end user or the implementer. So not just the person that signs the check. So there are lots of people to shopper, right? So we want to build all of that out through an org chart. And then we want to make it really easy, once we've done that, to find more of those people and engage them where they are, uh, engage them in the activities they've shared, maybe through shared connections, um, and ultimately um, really identify those people and then, again, engage them in what matters to them. Phil Lurie? Agree? I, I do agree. Uh, I would add, though, that there's probably a step a little bit before this, and um, I'm sure Brent, Brent will agree with this, but building your own personal brand is really important, too, because oh, when sure. you reach out to build your network, mm-hmm. uh, the first thing people are going to do on, on a LinkedIn or even a Twitter is they're going to look at who, who's, who's inviting me, who's talking to me. So you need to present yourself as an expert and not someone that's just trying to sell them a bill of goods or a product or service that they might not need. So you want to build a brand personally uh, that conveys that you're a a professional, a knowledgeable person. And we find uh, that to uh, improve the the reputation of an entire company, a company is, is comprised of large number of individuals. So if you've got a lot of people with uh, good personal brands that enhances the corporate brand. So we really strongly recommend that you start off early, uh, the first stage in, in getting people trained to use social selling, and LinkedIn in particular, is to build a good personal profile, <coughs> excuse me, a professional profile that doesn't look like a resume, but looks like a business professional. And, um, and that will help you attract people because it's not only you're hunting and searching for other people and the methods that bring uh, mentioned are exactly what we do as well, but being found and um, because people find you in a search. So you want to make sure you have the proper keywords and the things that mean that when people are researching products or services they want to buy, you can be found. And that helps build your network almost as much as, um, as, as you're hunting. Mm-hmm. To add that, if I can, one of yep. the things sure. that we really focus on is the concept of from resume to resource. So kind of convert ah. that, that, that profile so that it's not just your resume, your professional experience, but the value that you bring. And so that starts, that's sort of our number two, which is engage with insights. We like to start with engaging with insights right from the profile. So I 100% agree with that. And in addition to people finding you, even when you're proactively reaching out to people, they're checking you out. So even if they never find you from a search, I agree with what Phil is saying is that we need to have make sure that when they show up at your profile that you're worth taking that phone call. Mm, and and going back record. to Brand, Phil, I just want to insert quickly here, if I may, that uh, Kirsten Boyleau, who is the sponsor of the series, was recently recognized on Forbes.com in an article for the excellence of her LinkedIn profile and her personal brand. So we have somebody involved with this series who knows how to do that really well, and she's frequently a guest on the show. Phil, go ahead. I just wanted to give a shout-out to Kirsten. 
Oh, Kirsten's a, a good friend, and we work together uh, arm in arm. Uh, yep. I'm going to steal Bryn's uh, quote. Thank you, <laughs> if it's okay. I love uh, uh, resume to resource. That's uh, that's going to be one of our brands now. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's <beautifully laughs> sure, I, mean, I wrote a blog on that. I, I've been trying to here. capture how to how to do that. I think it's really important that uh, that that people uh, appreciate that that aspect of it and. Um, we uh, we have to look at it from the management point of view too. Uh, the rising tide raises all the boats. Uh, we also don't want, you know management doesn't want to have their best people leaving their company. And uh, the idea that we might be enhancing everybody's resume uh, by uh, by giving them training see, could be scary. And uh, we found that uh, our management is very really understanding that we really need to do that. And it's not a matter of uh, outplacing people. It's a matter of really building up the personal brand, which then becomes the corporate brand, which then is actually a corporate asset. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Brynn, you're ready to move to number three in your definition? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, let me so, read it again. Prospect okay. through leveraging your clients and networking partners. I think partners is a key word in here for warm introductions, going back to part of our early conversation. Go ahead, Bryn. So one of the most amazing things about LinkedIn in particular is it's not just your Rolodex, but it's the Rolodex. You have the ability to search and filter the Rolodex of your connections, the Rolodexes of your connections. And through some real strategic searching, you can start to identify who knows the targeted people that you're looking to engage with. So, for example, um, you can easily search a client's profile based on, you know, what other decision makers, and if you've built out that persona, you know who they are, right? What other decision makers are they looking um, or do they know that you're looking to meet? And so when you're with that client, you, you know, Mr. Client, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed working with you. The way we grow our business has been from referrals from our happy clients. I noticed you're connected to four people on LinkedIn I'm trying to get in front of. Can I run these names by you? And four becomes two, and then you can strategically ask for some introductions. So with clients, it's, I mean, it's a game changer. We all know that referrals are the best way to grow business, but often we're not getting enough of them. Now we can proactively reach out and get some of those introductions. The second piece is, as you mentioned, net, we do the same thing with your networking partners. Strategically um, network with people that are selling into the same decision makers but are not competitors and start to make some real meaningful introductions back and forth based on who they know. A lot of times when we ask, you know, who do you know that can use my products or services, they kind of go blank. But if we bring a list to them and say, you know, these 11 people, I know, look through mine and pick out who you want to meet, now these um, partnerships really become very productive. And you had mentioned very early on the coffee meetings. Well, you know, mm -hmm. I, back in, you know, when I started in sales, that's what we did all the time. But they weren't nearly as productive as they can be now. Because if we come with our list of 11, 15, 30 names and whittle it down to four or five introductions for each coffee meeting, they are now the most productive hour of our week. Mm. Phil, thoughts? I'm in, in, in agreement uh, with this, and I love the approach of, of using your network uh, to build your network. 
and 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 everyone knows that a, a reference from a customer is better than anything else you could get. Uh, specifically, mm-hmm. you know, they you've solved this problem for me, and telling another another potential customer that that's just wonderful. Whatever technology you're using, that's always been very strong. I want to just go back, if I may, to a point uh, when we're talking about building your resume, your your network. One of the areas, uh, since we've been talking about LinkedIn, uh, in in listening, is looking at what groups your prospect or your contact belongs to, because that also gives you a lot of insight about what's interesting to them. Mm-hmm. And you'll find that a lot of people really haven't published that much uh, on LinkedIn. They haven't posted that much. A lot of people aren't really into that as much. And uh, it's always uh, uh, a challenge when you want to try to find more about a person and do some listening if they're not speaking. So their group membership is actually a great way of finding out what they might be interested in because it, it kind of gives you a profile about people. So I just wanted to add that one little point in, in this, uh, going back to the first area. And I love then, that. And if I can add, looking yes, at who please. they choose to follow, the influencers they choose to mm-hmm. follow is also a really great way to understand what is meaningful to them. And I have on occasion, I see, you know, they're following Jack Walsh. I'm going to go in, I find a quote from Jack Walsh, and I send it to them. So I know, mm. notice, you know, you're a big fan of Jack Walsh, saw this quote, thought of you, wanted to, you know. And all of a sudden, you're like, they're like, wow, I mean, they're really paying attention to me. Right. That's I, I think part of the listening. It, it, that was uh, sort of out of the blue, but uh, I thought it was a really important point that I wanted to bring forward. And I know that, you know, the topic that we're trying to cover today is tips and points. So although I was a little bit out of order, I, I thought I wanted to mention that. I love that. That's okay. Nothing wrong with out of order. We cover a broad brush here. But um, to your point about referrals and people who know you and and people who've already worked with you, uh, Bryn, I just wanted to call to your attention. There's a tagline on, I won't tell where my broker works, who he's with, but here's the tagline under all of his emails. It says, the highest compliment we can receive is the referral of your family, friends, and business associates. Do you like that or not, Bryn? Is that on point? I love that, and I, you know, I have seen that um, on a lot of financial advisors. Often put that at the bottom of their, mm-hmm. and realtors put the bottom. Um, I, I think it's great. Um, I think in some ways it needs to start with um, referrals the other way. So, for example, I mean, I think giving first is really important many times. Mm-hmm. So um, I love the ask, but I also would love to see, and if there's anyone I'm connected to that you'd like to meet, please let Ah. me know. I'm happy to make introductions on your behalf. Make that perfect. Interesting. Okay. I'll mention that to him next time he emails me. And let's move to the fourth point here in Bryn's Social Selling Defined and our good, really good roundtable conversation here. I hope you're all taking notes. Bryn says, taking it offline. This is the face-to-face part. So anything you want to add to this one, Bryn? Um, Well, so, yeah, I think it's really important. Sometimes, um, particularly when we're working with clients um, that they don't, no, they, they spend a lot of time online building that relationship, and I think it's really important uh, for salespeople to have real-life conversations. So you really need to have a focus of that your end goal and the measurement of success of your social selling is that you have that conversation. Now, I, I know that you can continue to nurture them through social, and so I don't want to say, I guess, end goal is, um, too finite because it, the, the relationship will continue to get nurtured through social. 
But uh, for my clients, the number one measurement of success is that they have meaningful conversations with qualified prospects. And if that's happening, then their social selling is working properly. Hmm. Phil, thoughts? Well, we have a slightly different measure, and it's a little bit more basic. We follow the money. Uh, the, uh, the success for uh, social selling has been that we get a great return on investment and that people are actually generating revenues. And I think Bryn and I are aligned in that. Just, we just measured a little bit later. One of the things that we do to get things offline is, is relate to other systems. LinkedIn is not the only tool that we use. And we find that um, using our CRM systems gives you a bit more information that will help you in developing the relationship. Uh, first of all, the person that uh, is, is, is communicating with you is expecting quick and accurate answers to their questions and problems. Mm-hmm. So you need to have good sources of information for your salespeople so that they can respond quickly, either by themselves or getting experts in so that they can answer questions that a customer, a potential customer may have. And the support that they get from a CRM system will also tell them who else in your company might be speaking to other people in their company so that you don't have cross-conversations. And it will also tell you what are the products and tools that that company might have purchased already and what the history is. So those, those kinds of things are really important that are a little bit beyond the social selling formally, but they're bringing you back into the mainstream of the kinds of tools that a, that a selling organization should have. And I'm not pushing our own products. There, there are competitive products, but uh, what we're trying to do is use our CRM as part of uh, the support for social selling. And the social selling is actually uh, the second or third phase of a whole sales cycle. And, or sales funnel, as they traditionally call it, mm-hmm. where we're doing account and territory management first and then figuring out who we should be talking to using social selling, using the social selling tools to improve that process. And then we cons- and then we'd hopefully get them into some sort of deal room structure where we're talking about the specifics of their, their questions and their problems. Phil, I'm glad you brought that up because I did want to cover, and I was going to move to one of your talking points here, about corporate support about a social strategy at the business level at the organizational level and you've given us a lot of that but let me just read something from your notes and then we can I'd like to develop this a little more and get Bryn's uh, POV on this you say sales executives need to enhance their product knowledge and rely less on their people skills this is a tall order corporate systems need to support these changes why do they need to rely more on product knowledge which goes back to what is the company giving them in terms of training skills and tools to understand the product knowledge they need to apply to social conversations. Phil? I think strong companies make sure that their salespeople are well-equipped to answer questions. Uh, that's really important. And um, I know that and not just my own company, SAP, but most companies that I talk to, they're spending a lot of time on training. And they're not really generally traditional sales training courses, although they do have some of those. But they're a lot of time and effort is getting the sales force up to speed with the products, the enhancements of the products, the changes to the products. So that, that is a step in the right direction that, that's been there traditionally. Now what we want to do is also add the electronic version of that, make it so that's really very easy for people to have good uh, lists of who we call when we have a question on a certain, certain area, a knowledge base, essentially. And those kinds of tools are available and really uh, very powerful in making the social selling more successful. Uh, it's the whole part of the brand image that you can be responsive. 
And uh, responsive means being accurate and quick mm-hmm. in response. And, and, Phil, isn't the added challenge to that, and, Bryn, you can jump in on this, the added challenge is that there's so much information online. We've done shows about social selling and selling in general outside just social selling, talking about the fact that customers and prospects are having basically a shopping party or a feast of information before they even contact mm-hmm. your company, before they even call a sales rep, before they even want to talk to a human being. Mm-hmm. They're almost done with the buying cycle well, so actually, in terms of knowledge. Yeah. I think they might be drowning in the information. There might uh, be too well. much information. So the role of the salesperson might not be to inform, in ser- such as giving you a lot more brochures to read or something like that, or electronic mm-hmm. brochures. Maybe it's to be the guide. No, you don't want one of these. You really want one of those, because ah. I know what your problem is. I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. So I've been there and done that. Yes. And other customers like you have solved their problem by going this route and helping eliminate uh, possibilities or, or, or options might be part of the guide process. And maybe that's the role point. of the salesperson is being a guide. Or a trusted advisor. Bryn, talk to me. What do you think? Well, I love that. And, and I know that we're kind of dancing around the challenger sale model a little bit with the 57% of the buyer decision is mm-hmm. made before the salesperson even knows that they're looking. So I think that content is important, but I agree 100% with Phil in that that content really needs to be focusing and guiding that prospect to make a better decision or more um, really create the uncomfortable uh, situation of if they make some of the wrong decisions, what will happen. I, I hate creating fear, but bringing it to the surface. Like if, you know, a, a lot of people are choosing to go this route and here's the consequence of that. Um, however, here, you know, from our experience, this is what's been proven and kind of target and um, get them in the right direction to your solution. Uh, and, and if you are the solution provider and if you really are doing a good job, what you're doing is of benefit to that prospect. Um, you're really helping them in forming their decision. And one of the things I've always said is that if 57% of that, that decision is made, who is influencing that? Is it you or your competitor? And you've got to make sure that you have a louder voice and a better solution. Hmm. Phil? That's great. I, I agree completely. I think uh, we've always thought of the traditional salesperson as trying to upsell. Um, if you... Go in the other direction, and the customer comes in and they're thinking about a gold-plated solution when, when a silver-plated solution will do the job, and you convince them of that, your credibility goes up a great deal. Uh, telling someone that they shouldn't spend that much money because this is an easier solution, a simpler solution, or less expensive solution is really going to make a difference. And, uh, I mean, that's part of it, and I agree, it's part of the challenger methodology as well. Uh, you really want to be of value to your to your um, to your customer, and um, by telling them the truth, and you've become credible. Absolutely. Okay, we are almost at the point where it's time for our crystal ball predictions round, but I'd like to get a little more information in here, so I'm just going to throw it open to both of you, and I'm going to ask the question, is LinkedIn the end-all and be-all of social selling slash social media platforms that anybody in sales needs to conquer 
first with their personal brand, with their conversational skills, with their ability to become a partner in a conversation, a trusted advisor, a guide through the morass or the sea or ocean or groundswell of content information, as Phil Phil alluded to a few minutes ago. Bryn first and then Phil. Is, is LinkedIn the first place for a new sales rep entering into sales, social selling? Is that where they should start? Um, particularly if they're in B2B, right? So if they're in business-to-business mm-hmm. sales, um, I tend to say that, I mean, I'm open to other um, op- options, but I think LinkedIn is where all of the business people are hanging out. I mean, that it, and I think when you're deciding what platform to start with, you need to look at who are you selling to and where are they. And currently, I believe that LinkedIn is really the primary place. We've got, we're at like, whatever, 380 million professionals on LinkedIn um, and it's really, it is the place where they're hanging out. And so I think it's important to embrace it. Um, there are some clients I run into, you know, particularly their consumer where Facebook might be a better solution for them. Um, but in the B2B space, I do believe it's LinkedIn. Phil Lurie, thoughts? I, I agree. Uh, in, um, other Parts of the world, there's Zing, and, and there there are Chinese uh, versions of uh, you know the same kind of social selling tools as LinkedIn. But LinkedIn is is quite impressive, and Twitter has quite a few more followers, but it's more uh, uh, business to consumer. Um, but we look at LinkedIn as the uh, the key tool in a chain. Uh, it's it's the linchpin, as it were. And we have tools before that, as I mentioned before, um, that would help us do account and territory planning, which LinkedIn probably isn't the strongest tool in. But in the middle is, is the LinkedIn. And then we have tools like the CRM systems and social advocacy, advocacy tools to help us monitor, uh, manage the content that we give to people so that they can post intelligently. And the support tools, those are all part of the same system. But I, I would agree that LinkedIn right now for us and for, uh, for really for, for the foreseeable future, that is really the core thing. And if I were just starting out, the first tool that I would pick up would be LinkedIn. Mm, okay, that's what I was interested in. Let me just read a couple stats here, rattle off just a drop before we get into our predictions. The number of monthly unique visiting LinkedIn members is 97 million, updated this summer. The geographical reach of LinkedIn is 200 countries and territories as of last year. The percentage of LinkedIn users outside the U.S. is 70%. Bryn, did you know that? I did. Wow, you're up on your numbers there, lady. And the increase in the likelihood that your LinkedIn profile will get viewed if you include a photo is 11 times. And I'm going to stop there. You can all Google that yourself. Bryn Tillman, it's time for predictions. I know you polished off that crystal ball probably with a beautiful silk scarf. And I don't know whether you keep it in the garage, the attic, or the boat shed, or the trailer, but I know you looked into it for us. So I love the year 2020. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, Bryn. If you look into the future... And we met again. I hope we will, certainly. What do you predict will change about what makes or breaks a social seller? And tell me how far in the future you're looking. And I'm giving you a whole two minutes for predictions. Wow. Bryn Tillman, go. Awesome. Well, so let's start with 2020, which is really only uh, four, a little, less, little more than four years away, which is crazy. Um, I think the first thing that's going to happen is all of the internal sales trainers and corporate trainers 
are going to have to bring in some kind of social selling training for onboarding and for continuing to train their staff. So whether they're doing it internally or they're bringing in outside companies, I think that it's going to be a vital piece. Um, The other piece with onboarding, and it's not going to just be with the salespeople, I think ultimately there's got to be a social onboarding for every single person because they are now, if they're connected to that company on LinkedIn, they're representing that company. And so there has to be a consistent brand messaging or even a consistent um, look across the board so that, um, you know, you don't have you know, the wrong pictures up there or misspellings or lots of, you know, mm-hmm. issues inside of a profile that's representing that company. So I think that's probably the next big shift. Right now, very few companies have that in place. Um, even some of the bigger companies that I'm going into, although they're working toward that, are really disconnected based on departments or based on roles. And there's not one overarching uh, social, uh, there might be a compliance piece, but not a branding piece. And I think so. I, my prediction is that's going in the next four to six years, um, every major company will start to adopt a program and a process. Um, Thank you, Bryn. Yeah. I want to give two minutes to Phil because we're getting close to the end. Phil Lurie, two minutes, just shy of two minutes for your predictions. Go ahead. Well, first, I agree with uh, Bryn. I think uh, some of us are there a little bit sooner than others, but those those uh, trends are for real, and maybe it's not even five years. So uh, uh, it'll be it's going to be gradual for some companies, the slow adopters. Um, my predictions are that in the next few years, we're going to see more competitors to LinkedIn because uh, there is an opportunity for them. Although LinkedIn has had a major first-on-field advantage and uh, may be having some barriers to entry for other people, I think, or for other companies, but I think that uh, someone like um, Facebook, who has already announced that they're going to have a Facebook for business, I think there will be a presence. So my first prediction that there will be competitors to LinkedIn to be named later or to, to mm. develop later. And the second prediction is that the interfaces to the other systems that I mentioned before will become more real because the demand from other customers uh, of LinkedIn will be, you know, we, we need to pull the information out and, and be able to populate our CRM with current information and things like that or other interfaces so that you can publish to LinkedIn. That's, those already exist to a certain extent. So I think there will be more interfaces among products and services. So that will be my second prediction. Thank you very much. And I have to do some shout-outs who are here. I already mentioned Akua Odoi at SAP. Thank you for your great reporting of the conversation here among Bryn Tillman, Phil Lurie, and myself on Social Selling with Game Changers. And a shout-out to somebody who calls himself King Solo, S-A-U-L-O, Solo. Uh, that is his handle on Twitter, and apparently he's a student interested in digital marketing, e-commerce, and advertising based in Charlotte, North Carolina. So, Solo, King Solo, welcome, and thank you for tweeting and retweeting. We really, really appreciate that. So, and a shout-out, of course, to Kirsten Boyleau. Phil Lurie, it's been wonderful speaking with you again. Bryn Tillman, you're a newcomer to our series, but I certainly hope you'll come back. Did you have a good time, Bryn? This was a lot of fun. Thanks so much. I would love to come back. 
Wonderful. Well, we'll whisper in Kirsten's ear. I think Phil can put in a good word for you, and so can I. I think we have a lot more to talk about. Shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team and all of our tweeters. And a heads up to everyone, we're no longer using the handle BizBreakRadio. We are now officially the handle SAP Radio, S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. We converted last week, so all of the followers are safe and secure at SAP Radio. Join the fun. Follow us, please. And we always tweet about our shows before, during, and after at hashtag SAP radio so it's time for me to close this party down and i want to thank my panelists again Bryn tillman wonderful phil lurie wonderful great conversation thank you for your points of view your insights and your energy on this wonderful topic i'm bonnie d graham and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today right now just do it have a great one i'll talk to you in one hour on industry cloud trends with game changers presented by sap bye bye Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.